Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Brian Falchuk, where we talk about his unique story, which I know you're going to enjoy is probably not the right word, but I know you'll get a lot out of it. If you've ever felt like you're stuck or you have things just holding you back and you know you need to move forward with an entirely new mindset... His story is all about that. We talk about having mindfulness about what motivation really is, as well as having persistence moving forward. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome Brian Falchuk to the show. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Eric. So you have a fascinating story. And honestly, I just need to ask you right up front, would you mind sharing some of that story of, of course. where you've been and kind of the the transformation <laughs> that you've gone through set the context for us give a paint us a picture yeah so um there's really two pivotal not moments because they were longer than that but two pivotal points in my life that really define a lot of who I am or who I have been and and what I've faced um so the first is growing up like you know what half the country I was a child of a divorced family um, I was a marriage saver baby and didn't work. Uh, so, uh, you know, my parents wouldn't admit that, but you do the math, like it's pretty obvious. I was the attempt and, and it just didn't play out that way. Um, so I was like a four or five year old. My parents' marriage started to come apart. I was the youngest of four. And, um, you know, little kids have one very clear need and that's to be taken care of. They need to feel safe and secure and cared for. And in divorce, you know, a lot of times that feeling isn't there because people are moving out, money becomes more of an issue or a major issue. Um, there's a lot of arguing, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things that would make a little kid feel unsafe or uncared for. And of course, you know, I was one of four, so my parents' time was already divided quite heavily. And then you add in everything going on with the divorce. And it's just like, there's no time for the kids, you know, and being as young as I was, like, I was still pretty needy. So I wasn't feeling safe and secure. My needs weren't being met. And so I turned to food because that was always there. It always felt good. It wasn't arguing. It wasn't moving out, you know, um, and just being that young, like I obviously didn't really understand my feelings or how to work through them. Um, so I just ate and, you know, this wasn't a slowly, but surely I gained weight kind of thing. It was like, you look at a picture of me from age like four and a half to one of like age six. And I was like I went from being this skinny, smiley little kid to clearly not happy and clearly obese. So it was pretty fast. And I just kept gaining weight um, all through my childhood into my teen years. I stopped uh, weighing myself when I was about just shy of 250 because I just couldn't I couldn't face it anymore. So I probably got somewhere in the 260 to 280 range. I really don't know. I just know my pants kept get, kept getting bigger. Um 
And uh, I, I was really lucky to get connected with a guy in my high school who ran our physical education program. Like PE is the blow off class for a lot of kids. Um, he took it really seriously and he used it as a way to introduce kids to wellness and health and, and get them to own it for themselves. So you didn't have to go run laps because he said so. He's like, you know, let's look at all these different possible possible things you can do. Let's figure out which ones you enjoy and then create a program around that. So you really like he was educating you and then you had ownership of the process. Um, he's just an incredible person. And, and so with his help, I changed my relationship to, to exercise and I was able to lose and diet, too. And I was able to lose weight. Um, the problem is I never dealt with the reasons why I gained weight in the first place. So I wasn't obese because I was eating too much. I was eating too much because of the underlying emotional depression kind of issues. Right. And so, you know, he helped me with the eating and the movement, but we weren't addressing like the whole reason behind it. And I had a motivation at the time, but it was a very outward facing motivation. I didn't want to be the fat kid anymore. I didn't want to be judged like that anymore. You know, teenager, like you start being interested in girls and no one would give me the time of day. You know, I was the fat kid. So um, it's so funny for me. I just had a high school reunion a few months ago and it, it, it always amazes me how many people are like, oh, wow, you look great. And it's like I actually was super fit senior year in high school. You just don't remember me that way. You know, like in, in everyone's head, even though they had a whole year with me where I had a gotten down to about the weight I am right now. And I was really active and all that. Like they just, I'm framed in their mind as being obese. So when they picture me, they still picture me from when I was, you know, seriously overweight. Um, I just, you know, I, I think that's so telling about this, this perception and, and I didn't want to be perceived that way. And that's great. But then I went to college and nobody knew me, you know, I was in a totally new, there's one person from my high school there. Um, so no one knew me as a fat kid. And so that whole reason for losing weight, was gone. And then it was a slowly but surely kind of story. And, you know, by my mid twenties, I had put on some weight. I never looked obese again. I just looked American, you know, like no one would have looked at me and been like, Oh, that's the fat guy. It's like, yeah, you know, we're all a little soft and what I like, I just, I just looked like everybody else, but I was overweight. I wasn't healthy. And most importantly, all the reasons why I was obese in the first place were still there. I was still depressed. I still had anxiety. I still felt insecure about my my well-being from a like a financial and a stability standpoint and that you know that stuck with me through to my marriage so this is where the second pivotal point comes in uh i i got married uh, my wife and i had a few years together before um, our first child came along and then in 2011 he was uh, about two and a half that summer and um my wife has a chronic illness which we didn't know at the time but it reared its head then and it reared its head really hard. And so it was the summer of, of 2011. She was on all accounts on her deathbed. So she was wasting away in a ton of pain. No one could figure out what was going on. The doctors were really just blowing it off and being like, you know, you're doing this yourself. It's, are you sure you're not just depressed? You know, you're like, we can't find anything wrong with you. And um, so really not just unhelpful, but shaming her and shaming us as a family for, you know, this is our fault and there's actually no problem. It's like, look, this young mother is now bedridden. She's literally like she's wasted away to, to nothing. And her primary care doctor called me right before going on vacation. He's like, yeah, I'm going away for six weeks. So let's check in when I'm back. And I was like, she's losing two pounds a day. 
she's about a hundred pounds at this point, literally, um, do the math. She will not be here when you're back. I said that to him word for word. And his response is, Oh, well then take her to the ER if you need to. Oh, geez. Like, like, <laughs> yes, we will do that. But, um, that's not good enough. And, yeah. and that was, that was June 30th, 2011. That hit me like a ton of bricks. Cause I got off the phone with him. I walked into our bedroom and my son was just looking at his mother. And so I'm, I'm looking at her in bed. I'm looking at him looking at her and I'm like, what, what on earth is going on with, with the situation, with my life, with all of this? How old was he at the time? He was two and a half. Oh, wow. Um, I was, uh, 30, I can't do math right now. 30, <laughs> uh, 30 something. Okay. Well, 2000, I was 30, I was almost 33. Okay. Good. Um, yeah, that I should, I should, um, that's, so that, that's my next goal is to be able to do math on the fly. I'll tackle nice. that one. Um, yeah, it was just, uh, you know, and I was miserable. Like my job situation, situation wasn't great. Um, I was looking at losing my wife, which, you know, if, if I was like 80, um, or 90, sure. You know, that happens. Spouses lose their spouses late in life. That's, you know, that's something you, you're at some point you're going to face. You don't expect it when you're in your early thirties with your first kid and just starting your life together. So this is, you know, beyond the realm of anything I had ever contemplated before. And I, I just had this profound sense of failing my family and failing myself that I wasn't living. Well, the way I wanted to, but you could even just stop at the word living. I wasn't living. I was miserable and everything was falling apart. And this whirlwind of trying to scramble and fix things wasn't working anymore. Um, and that, that was this moment of clarity where I figured out, you know, what my motivation was is, you know, first and foremost is I need to be there for this little boy because he's watching his mother die and he's watching his father die just at a slower rate. And that is completely unacceptable he needs me more than ever because it could just be the two of us. Um, so that, you know, if for no other reason than for him, this has to change, but it needs to change for me too. And I woke up the next morning, literally a changed man. And it's not to say everything was perfect, but for the first time ever, I had true purpose. I had true direction. I knew a reason why I needed to do things to transform. And I, you know, that slowly but surely gaining weight, I'd gotten up to 222. I should be around 180. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I had been working out, but it was like, I get on the elliptical, I'd cover the screen with a magazine and, you know, 30 minutes later, the thing's beeping and maybe I was slightly sweaty, but I hadn't really done anything, but I was like, yeah, I worked out. That was different. So I, first thing I did was I got up, went to work out and I put on a, an, an interval program. And when those intervals hit, I didn't cover the screens. So I could see them coming. Those intervals hit, man, I busted it. You know, I, I worked really hard. And at the end of that half hour, I was drenched first of all. And second of all, I was exhausted, but I felt amazing. And that's something I hadn't felt before. And I was like, this is different. And I can do something about like, I knew what my weight was. I'd weighed myself before working out. I was like, that's not where it should be. So it's July 1st. By the end of the year, I want to get to 185. So I was like, that's, you know, roughly where I should be, give or take a few pounds. It's a good, stable place for me. Um, and that's, you know, it's enough time to do it, but not so much time that I don't have to try. Like it's, you know, it's about 40 pounds I had to lose. So that's, that's a legitimate amount of weight. You know, it wasn't, I had to lose about a hundred pounds the first time around. It's not at that scale, but it's not like five pounds. I don't know how you lose five pounds. 
it's it's such a small amount it's kind of irrelevant like what actions do you take every day for you know for your wellness to lose five pounds it's like don't eat for a day you'll lose six pounds and then you're done and then what do you do so i was like i want to do this by the end of the year and i'm unhappy in my work situation i need to start to figure that out and you know I've got this depression. I've got stuff from my childhood, from you know my parents' marriage unraveling, from a number of things. I need to start to deal with that. And I, I've had all these excuses of why I can't talk to someone because I don't have time. And I can't do that anymore because I don't have time to not do it. So those were three main things that I was like, these are major problems in my life that I need to fix. And so I started in that day. And I should, uh, I should say pretty clearly, my wife is still alive. So we all changed. I, yeah, like I was going to say, so that sometimes was the, I forget to mention that. And it's that's, like, that's, yeah, <laughs> I wanted to cl- kind of clarify and close that part of the story there and, uh, you know, get a, get a, I guess, happy ending, you know, yeah, on that. It is. So, so everything turned out okay. Like, obviously she's, you know, you guys are, I, I would say you probably are in the description of say thriving now. Yeah. I mean, so she still has her illness. Um, it's something, you know, we'll deal with for the rest of our lives, but to be able to say that even is very positive and we've grown tremendously and she's not like death is not knocking on the door anymore. You know, it's there in the way that it was, you know, before any of this, like at some point in our lives, they end. Um, but it's not facing us right now and we're living our lives. Um, we both transformed tremendously. Like, you know, as cheesy as it sounds, there are silver linings on clouds. Um, and sometimes those clouds are pitch black, you know, but, but we found them. So she's, um, through her illness, she's learned a ton and overcome a lot of it and gotten to a place where it's not threatening her life. And so people who watch that, who are also suffering have turned to her for help. And so she's just finishing up uh, a degree as a a certified uh, functional medicine coach. So she's, you know, she loves doing that because like it's saving lives and it's making lives materially better. I've, you know, I've written a book, I'm writing for a major magazine. I've totally changed my career situation. I'm I'm actually still in the same industry, but I'm thriving now um, and I'm helping people as well. So there's, there's so much good that's come from that. So, yeah, I think thriving is is a fair word, but it's not like we don't face challenges. So you can thrive and be challenged. That's okay. It's called life, you know? Yeah, totally. It, it, what I mean by thriving, and I think what most people would mean is you're not just getting by anymore. Uh, yeah. You know, you're, you're doing more than just you, – you're, you are actually living, to, to use your own words from earlier. Yeah, so. and it's about, it's about purpose. And, you know, that's, that's why I wanted to, to talk with you today is that's – you know, so much of our lives we do mindlessly. You know, before we started recording, we were talking about the smartphone. Mm-hmm. You know, I said the black hole, like you get sucked into it and you wake up, you're like, wait, where did all that time go? It's because you're mindlessly going through things without even knowing why you're doing it. So, of course, you're not pausing to think like, does this actually add to what I'm trying to achieve? When you when you have purpose, when you have direction, the things that you do are on purpose the things that you do are adding up to trying to get to that place where you want your life to be, or maybe they're part of that place, you know, the journey itself. Uh, and, and so then it's not about having to do or, you know, just muddling through it or gritting your teeth and getting through the worst of it. Everything you do has a purpose and that's how you actually achieve. You know, it's not a to-do list. It's an achievement list. Yeah. And that's a very different way to experience your life. And that's, like if I summed it all up, that's the real difference with what I go through now is I'm insanely busy. I've got lots of stresses, 
but everything I'm doing is towards this purpose. Everything I'm doing is aligned with my motivation. It has a reason. So I love it. You know, whether I'm tired or not, whether it's hard or not, I love what I'm doing. And that's a totally different situation from before. And that's why it's been sustainable. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond. Again, go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond. Going back to that moment that kind of pivot or that, you know, that revelation where your wife's on her deathbed and you realize you have to change. Uh, it wasn't just about losing the weight. It was, you know, much more than just weight loss that you needed to change. And, and even the fact that, you know, sh- in other words, share some, share some of what your, where your mind was at that time, because obviously you'd lost more than a hundred pounds previously and you yeah. had less weight to lose this time, but again, the weight loss was like one component of a bigger revelation to you. Right, right. So, I mean, this this to me actually ties into a lot of what I experience in my coaching business. So when people are like, what's the main thing people come to you for? And I actually have trouble answering that because it doesn't matter to me. And that can sound like, wait, you're not listening to the people who come to you for help or you don't care. It's not that at all. It's that all of these different things, they're all symptoms of the underlying cause. And it's not enough to change. Like if you're, if you're overweight, you're not overweight just because you have too much weight on your body. You know, that's defining it with its own definition. You're overweight because of something else. And chances are there are many other things in your life that if you really stop and think about it, are they where you want them to be? You know, and and maybe actually you're fine with your weight, even if you are overweight, that's okay. 
but but there are probably other things in your life that aren't really where they need to be. And so if you fix the one thing that you know is why you you came to me for help, or the one thing that you're talking to your therapist about, do you honestly think that's that's the end of the story? No, it's you know life is intertwined. It's holistic. So if you're unhappy about one major aspect of your life, to think that that's not bleeding into other things, you know, if you're if you're miserable at work, as much as you may say, like, and when I leave work, I leave work at work. I'd highly doubt that. You know, you're tired. You've been agitated all day. When you get home, you think that doesn't show on your body. You think you're not, you know, also tired and upset and maybe a little bit more of a hair trigger reaction to people. You know, that that's just normal. That's okay. But it does mean that you can't just fix your work situation without also looking at your home situation because maybe that's been poisoned by work a bit. Or maybe there's something in how you're feeling in general that you've brought into these other situations now. So the first part of my book is it's basically a series of chapters where I talk about things I've gone through things I've experienced that I needed to change and how I've changed them and how I use the book's called do a day. It's a philosophy I teach and it's how I use that philosophy in these different situations. And the point is not to draw attention to myself or to say, you know, I've had it so bad. It's, you know, let me share a variety of different situations where, you know, I had something I needed to go after and, you know, whether that was a challenge or a goal, I had something that needed to be different. And I wanted to go after that. And, you know, you can too, like, look at all these different seemingly unrelated situations. And there's a hundred more out there. And when I talk to people or coach people or do shows like this, I hear about others as well. It really doesn't matter what you're going through. There's a, probably a whole smorgasbord of things that you want better in your life. And you can alter all of those things, maybe one at a time, maybe at a couple at a time, but you get your whole life to do it. So just keep picking those things and go after them. So you mentioned the title of the book and this title is interesting to me because uh, it doesn't, it, for me, it, it, it sounds like it's a prescription <laughs> or something, mm -hmm. you know, do, mm -hmm. do a day. So let's break this down. Like what does do a day mean and, or what is the philosophy there? Yeah. So there's a couple of building blocks to it that I'll come back to in a moment. But the, the philosophy itself is essentially about applying mindfulness to your daily action in support of your goals. So let me break that down a little bit. So mindfulness is, is all about being present in the moment, not being caught up in the yesterday or tomorrow, focusing your attention on right now and what you do, do with purpose. You know, we talked about that with, you know, getting caught in your smartphones or social media or whatever. So if you look at, at anything that you struggle with in life, um, you know, you look at, let, let's say, a tough time at work or, you know, using the diet example, because it's one a lot of people can relate to. Let's say you've you've been trying to lose some weight and you've been doing a good job and you, you're down 20 pounds. You know, that's a real achievement. And then it's Jimmy and accounting's retirement party. And you go to the, the bar where everyone's at and you have a beer and three nachos. And, you know, those weren't on the diet you've been following. And you're like, what did I just do to myself? I ruined everything. And you go home and you're all depressed. And you're like, well, it's over now. And you call up Domino's and, and you're, you know, two large pizzas and a liter of Coke or whatever. And, and you down the whole thing because, you know, at this point you've ruined everything because you screwed up and it's all over now. And, you know, let's look at this in, in perspective, like those two nachos and that beer. Okay. They weren't on your diet, quote unquote. I'm not a big believer in diets. Um, 
I, I use diet as the term of what we eat every day for yep. our whole life, not, yep. you know, the short term, like shake for breakfast, shake for lunch and a sensible meal at dinner. Yeah, there's so uh, I always say uh, with the words uh, weather and climate that there's, you know, weather is like, hey, what's it like today? But climate is what it generally is for the most yes. part all the yeah. time. And so you're using diet as climate, although everybody, you know, they, they kind of say fad diet to mean the word weather. Right. Right. If you could, if people can track with that analogy. Yeah. So I use, I use a capital or lowercase D in the book. You know, I don't, I don't like diets with a lowercase yeah. D. I use it when it's a proper noun. It's talking about, you know, the big picture, but you know, so, so you did those things that don't fit with your diet. Okay. How many calories do you think there really were in those two nachos or that Buffalo wing and the, and the beer? Yeah. More than you wish, but in the grand scheme of 20 pounds, it's basically irrelevant. And if you're doing the right things, if you're living your life with purpose and, you know, the difference I talked about with me on the elliptical before and after, if that's how I'm going about it, then the nacho and the beer, pretty irrelevant. And I can get that back really easily. You know, if, if I weigh a pound more today than I did yesterday, I really don't care because I have all the tools and I live my life in accordance with my general overall health. That tomorrow I may weigh a pound less than I did two days ago. It just doesn't matter. You know, I'm, I don't start fretting about it. It's like, oh God, my weight's going up. What am I going to do now? So if you, if you, you, you have that moment where you get home and you're feeling horrible for how badly you just screwed up when in reality you didn't, what you're doing in that current moment when you, when you pick up the phone to order those other pizzas that you're about to, to house, you know, you, uh, you're essentially throwing away today because of a, a mistake that you made quote unquote yesterday, you know, maybe it was an hour ago. So you're, you're letting the past dictate your current choices. And obviously you're making a really bad choice in the right now because of that prior choice. And instead what you should do is look at what you did, understand it, understand why you did it. Maybe it wasn't so bad. You know, maybe that social interaction was really important. Maybe there's other things you're dealing with about being too distant and not feeling a connection with people. And so it was the right call to go to the bar. And it was the right call to, you know, to, to partake in things with them. So you're beating yourself up and maybe there's some positives in it too, but understand why don't just beat yourself up and, and throw away today because of yesterday. And at the same time, don't do it with tomorrow. You know, I always tell people the night before I got my driver's license when I was 16, I didn't sleep at all. You know, it was so like, I couldn't wait for it. Like, it's, it's not just about negative things. I was so anxious and excited. I couldn't get to sleep. And of course, and I was like a zombie and I passed, but probably shouldn't have been driving at that point. You know, like I was, I was pretty sleep deprived. You know, you, you can, you can throw away today because of your fear of tomorrow or the positive anticipation of it. So, you know, if you, if you've been in an argument with someone and the next time you see them and it's unresolved still, I promise you, you're going to go into that interaction. If you're, if you're not living to a day, if you're not being mindful, you're going to go into the, that interaction with all this anxiety about like, are we going to fight again? What are they thinking about me? Oh, this is going to be tough. You know, you, you have all these negatives there. So you're probably going to interact with them unnaturally and negatively, whether you mean to or not, because you've allowed the right now to be tainted by the possibility of something that may or may not happen. You know, it doesn't mean you're going to fight again. Does, I, I used to work with a guy who would flip his lid and scream at the top of his lungs and call you every name in the book. If you call him an hour later, everything's good. That's the way he operates. He's super, super passionate. 
and it's it's not easy. It's not enjoyable to deal with. But what I came to learn with him really quick, quickly was he doesn't, that's just the way he is. He flips his lid and then it's done. And he genuinely like, he would call you a friend if someone asked. He'd be supportive of you if people were talking negatively about you, even though he just, you know, berated you screaming at the top of his lungs. I don't like that interaction, but if I went into everything with him holding a grudge for that past interaction and expecting he's going to flip out at me, it's probably going to happen because I'm going to be, you know, not ideal with him. And I'm probably going to end up provoking that response in him. So do you, do you end up throwing away the possibilities in right now because of this anticipation of something that may or may not happen? And that's do a day is like when you wake up in the morning and you're facing all of the choices you get to make today in support of your goals, it doesn't matter whether you chose correctly or wisely or in support of your goals yesterday or not. And it doesn't matter how many more times you have to do it tomorrow. When I had a hundred pounds to lose, you know, it doesn't matter when I lost three of those hundred pounds, like, oh my God, I still have 97 more pounds. How am I ever going to do this? And those three pounds are really hard. I'm going to have to do this for the rest of my life and it's going to be a struggle. That doesn't actually matter right now because I'm not losing 97 pounds right now. And it's that realization is like, hang on, you don't have all the weight of the future on your shoulders right now. And you don't have all of the judgment of the past on you right now either. You just have today. That's all it ever is. It's never yesterday and it's never tomorrow. When you free yourself from that kind of, of power of, of the past and the future, you can start achieving because you're finally free to do it. So it sounds like the mindfulness component is what really separates the philosophy of doing a day or do a day from just what a lot of people say, which is, you know, live for today or, you know, live one day at a time. Yeah, you know, I think a really big difference with one day at a time, which which is fine, but to me that's like a just, you know, grit your teeth and get through it or weather the storm. And do a day is is quite different. Do a day is it starts with that verb do. That's really purposeful. So, it doesn't matter what you're facing. Wake up, take some actions and do those things in support of your goals. Don't just hunker down and wait for it to pass. You know, you, you have to do something. And that's why, you know, maybe people interpret, interpret it the same way. Maybe they're like, well, I'm not just going to sit here and do nothing and wait till it's over. It's like, well, then don't just say one day at a time. Be purposeful about it. You know, it's, so it, it's much more empowering and proactive. And that's why I really like it is if you want to live your life, you got to do something about that. So I choose to use phrasing and, and words that is proactive and is action oriented because that's how you get off your keister and get moving. You've given a little bit of an example or a peek behind how to implement do a day when it comes to, say, those nachos and the beer or the the chicken wings. But what about other extreme stressful situations where it can feel like it derails us and then we double down on it the next day with the pizza? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, You know, so this is uh, I just got in a debate on Twitter with uh, a very famous military trainer. And, you know, for him with the military, he's, he's big on discipline. He said discipline beats motivation any day. And I get it in the military. I do. I understand that, but I don't agree with him overall. And, and that's the real difference here. This isn't about just every day, you know, remind yourself, like I did it for years. I'm like, today's the day I'm not going to eat all that junk I always eat. And within an hour, I've had like three bagels and a donut. You know, it's like, that was, that was my teenage years. Um, and I had the discipline to have that conversation with myself every day and remember, but I had no purpose. 
I had no direction. That's so the the first thing I talk about after I give all these examples in the book is then I go into the the how you do it chapters. And the first one is about motivation. So you must find your true motivation or this isn't going to work. So it's really important to figure out, you know, I, I ask a number of, of introspective probing questions. It's not a workbook. I can't tell you what the answer is. You really have to get into your own head and challenge the heck out of what's going on in there to understand what actually makes you tick and what you really care about. So it's, I've got all these questions. The, the one I sum it up with is what will you always care about no matter what? You know, what's the one thing that matters more to you than anything else in the world? You have to dig into that to have enough power to get through those tough moments. Because you know what? There are going to be really tough moments. And there are going to be a lot of great highs, too. And you're going to have some positive wins that maybe you want to cut cut back on the, uh, the pressure a little bit. Because it's like, oh, you know, I did an hour yesterday. So today I only have to do half an hour. It's like, well, just because you did an hour yesterday doesn't mean you don't have to do something real today. Or doesn't mean you shouldn't. So, you know, you, you have to keep tapped into your motivation to keep driving forward. And for me, discipline is like, you know, grit your way through it is like, just keep doing it because that's what you should do. But should, like should for what reason? What, what, what makes it a, a must have? So it's, it's really understanding your why, your motivation. You know, for me, it was that moment looking at my son and my, my wife and, you know, finding the real purpose. That's what keeps me on track. So when I have my tough moments, that's what forces me to step back and look at why it's tough and what can I do about it and how am I going to get through it and why is it worth going through that difficulty? Or maybe I'm, I'm on the wrong path and I need to look at, you know, it's difficult for a good reason and I need to wake up to that. You know, maybe I'm struggling physically because actually there's something going on with my body and I need to listen to that. And this isn't about, you know, my, my goal is not to run five miles today. My goal is to be in good physical shape so that I'm here for the long term and I'm healthy. Um, so it's not like push yourself through that last mile, even though you just sprained your ankle. Like, what a stupid choice. I actually should say, OK, I just got injured. I need to back off now. You know, but, but knowing my reason, you know, it's, it's not just a task. And I think that's that's where discipline works at the task level. I'm talking about purpose in life. Yeah. I'm talking about trying to achieve, you know, a situation, not just a a number that you're going to put in a spreadsheet or record on, you know, like your your like Fitbit or something. You know, that that's fine. Or a salary level that you're trying to achieve at work. That's yeah. all fine, but like I have no interest in being fine. It sounds like uh, the discipline, I mean, it, and, and discipline's good. I, I still think it's good for things. It's still good to have, yes. you know, a muscle memory there that can kind of help you kick in when you don't feel like it. But that, I think, is the problem there that a lot of people will have with the word motivation is they think of motivation as a feeling like doing the thing versus what you're saying, which is you knowing your you know, your true north, your guide, your what it is you're really, truly in the end getting out of it. Yeah. And that that's your 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 magnet pulling you forward. You know what it is, Eric? It's your reason for doing it, not your feeling. And discipline is is valuable. It has its place. I think discipline is a tool you use to get through stuff once. But you, you still need to know your motivation because, you know, um, it, there's a whole there's a whole slew of things I talk about with motivation. It's not just about, you know, what matters to you most is. I think there are certain things that need to be off limits and there are certain things that are, are better motivations. And there's some characteristics I talk about, 
But, you know, one of them that's really important is it's got to be internal to you. So it's not, you know, I talked about me being the fat kid. That's about perceptions other people have, or maybe it's perceptions I have of myself and I'm using them as a puppet, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like putting it out there on them, but it's really how I'm looking at myself. But that was about not being looked at a certain way. Uh, it's about, you know, don't, don't pick beach season or your high school reunion and you want to get in shape for that. Or, you know, um, your, your ex-girlfriend's wedding and you want her to be like, oh, wow, I screwed up. I should have like, let that stuff go. Cause as soon as that thing is over, why are you doing it? You know, if you, you're trying to get a, a promotion at work and so you really bust your hump and you outperform and you're really nice and you're doing all these things that are speaking to all the feedback you've gotten over the years and then you get your promotion and then you turn into an ass and, and you, you know, you do half the work again. Is that really the situation you want to be in? You know, why, why were you going for the promotion? Like, what was it about? Was it just about title? Was it just about pay? Like, you don't even know why you did it because all the things that it takes to do that promoted job, you've stopped doing. So is that even a fit for you? And this is where, you know, th that's what I do as a coach. Actually, I just get really annoying. I <laughs> just like, I just keep questioning everything people are saying. They're like, oh, well, you know, my motivation is I want to make a lot of money. And so the first thing I say is why? Yeah, well, because, you know, then I can have nice things. Okay, well, why do you want nice things? Why is that important to you? And, you know, we'll go back and forth. And eventually it's like you find out they lived in poverty as a kid and they were homeless for a period. And it's not about having nice things. It's about never wanting to be in that position of, you know, that financial dire straits, not wanting their kids to have to go through that. And I'm like, okay, now we're talking about something very different. You sounded materialistic. And, you know, like striving to just keep up with the Joneses before. But now you're talking about providing a life for you and your family that has opportunity and has stability. Like these are values now. This isn't like I want to be CEO so I can buy a Ferrari. Okay, well, what happens when you buy the Ferrari and, you know, eventually like you get sick of it? Why are you still killing yourself as a CEO? Like you, you have to find the underlying purpose. That's what it's really about with motivation. Well, and that's again, really empowering. Yeah. And one of those things, you know, again, one is materialistic. One is noble. So in other words, one is, uh, one selfish, one's noble and it, it's, it can turn on a dime. And, and honestly, without having that clarity, you end up sometimes, um, defaulting to the selfish instead of the noble. Yeah. Brian, it's been awesome talking with you. Where can people go grab the book and start to dig into this themselves and start to uh, unravel and or even maybe, you know, reach out to you about your coaching stuff? Yeah, for sure. So I put everything on the Do A Day book website. So it's doadaybook.com. It's called Do A Day. It's a book. Doadaybook.com. Hopefully it's an easy one to remember. Um, I link up to everything there. So I'm very active on social media. Um, I write for Inc. Magazine as well. So um, that's why I'm very active on social media. You have to keep that going. Right. Um, but yeah, so you can, my primary Twitter account is probably where I'm most active and that's new body, N-E-W-B-O-D-I. But you don't have to remember any of that. It's all at uh, doadaybook.com. The book's for sale everywhere. Um, but again, I link to all that. There's a store on Do A Day Book that just links you out to like Amazon and Barnes and Noble and it's print and ebook and it's on Audible. Like it, I really just try to put it out there. Um, but one thing I will say is I didn't write the book to make money. 
And if you know anything about the economics of publishing a book, that's a good thing because it's pretty hard to make money doing that. Right. Uh, I wrote the book to help people change their lives because I can't coach everybody, even if I did it 24-7. And I just I want to get this out there because I've seen it impact people and I've seen it change lives. And that's what's happened since publishing it last March. Um, so I do put a lot of the, the content behind the book out. It's, it drives my Inc. magazine articles. They're really mostly inspired by the book. So if you find me on Inc., you can start to read more about it. Yes, you can come to me for coaching. Um, I do public speaking as well. And, you know, shows like yours, like I'm, I'm sharing a lot of the meat of it. And I think that's really important. I just I want people to get inspired, to latch onto it and to put it into practice in their own lives. That's what's important to me. So I've tried to make that available across the board. And it's, you know, you can go to doadaybook.com and, and start at start at all of it from there. Awesome. Thank you. Well, I'll link all of that up in the show notes for this episode. And again, Brian, it's been awesome talking with you. Glad we got the chance to do it. And uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Eric. I really enjoyed it. So I hope that you walk away from this conversation with an understanding of what Brian is talking about when he talks about the difference between doing a day versus the idea of taking it one day at a time. And I know they sound like the same thing, but for me, it really helped to understand the difference between those two. And again, make sure to go check out his stuff. Go to doadaybook.com to find out more and to get the book. Thanks again for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed this, please share it with someone specific that you know would enjoy it. And with that, I'll see you next episode. <laughs>